Oh boy, the offense struggles once again for the Iowa Hawkeyes as they fall 9-6 to Illinois. Another loss for the Hawkeyes, it's 3-3 three and three on the season. We react to what we saw and it was not pretty. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon, and thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Available wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube as we record here in the wee hours of the morning after Iowa Falls to Illinois, 9-6 the final here. Two field goals is all the offense could muster here this week. A lot of opportunities and a lot of misses. I uh, want to say thank you to everybody out there for joining us. As always, we're with you each and every day during the course of the weekend. Gave myself a little time to cool off a little bit, collect my thoughts, and and look back at that one, which was an all-timer. I mean, this will be remembered for a lot of bad reasons, unfortunately, in Hawkeye fandom right now. It was as ugly as you'd anticipate when you look at the final score. Uh, ineptitude all over the place and so many different directions that we can go certainly right now. So let's get into it right at the top and so many different directions to go, but let's start with, I think the, the one that is dominating the conversation and that is the Ferences, baby Huey and Kirk and the ability for Kirk Ferentz to be objective at this point. So David Eichold, after the game, beat reporter 24-7 Sports with Hawkeye Insider, he asked the question and laid out just how bad this is. And it's hideous. I mean, there's no two ways about it. This has been about as bad as you can anticipate from Iowa football. But the question was laid out there, just how bad this has been. And again, would you look at making some staff changes here with the bye week upon us? This is something that does happen in big boy football. They do play in the Big Ten, even as bad as it looks. Yes, this is still a power conference team, even as bad as it looks. And it's a fair question for David to ask. And Kirk got defensive. And Kirk got defensive because it's his son. Look, if there was another staff member that was being questioned, like Brian Ferentz currently is, we would not be dealing with the exact same thing. We would not be talking about this in the same realm. It would be a completely different circumstance at this point in time instead we get this as a response he talks about last year we won 10 games and he goes this big picture we've won a lot of games since 2015 and then the condensation from Kirk Ferentz to say to David Eichold who has been on the beat who has been there that was at every game a year ago and we won 10 games last year don't know if you knew that The condensation, it needs to stop. Kirk, this is a bad look. And for all the goodwill that you created once again last year and getting Iowa to the championship, was it pretty? No, it was bad. And that championship game against Michigan, we know it didn't go well. There were missed opportunities in that one. And you drug that corpus of an offense to a championship game. That's a win. The close games went their way. They found a way. They were able to do it with smoke and mirrors, but ultimately they did it. 
Bill Parcells. You are what your record says you are. Well, your record since then, and since that big moment a year ago, remember, this team was ranked second in the country a year ago. And here we are now, 7-7. Seven and seven. In those 14 games, six times, they've scored seven points or less. This is not just a bad run. This is so much deeper. This is so much more difficult than I think Kirk realizes. And to have that condensation and to come back in that fashion, it's not just about wins and losses. And what it was, that was one thing, but it's not. You're seven and seven. My response, if I was David or anybody that was there in there, would have been, yeah, you won 10 games last year. You also lost four, and you got blown out in three of them. And the other one is one that you inexplicably let get away in the bowl game against Kentucky. You got blown out by Purdue. You got blown out by Wisconsin. You got blown out by Michigan. And each and every one of those reasons that you got blown out is because your offense absolutely stinks. And you got baby Huey over there doing God knows what. You're an offensive coordinator. An offensive coordinator. The job title. It says it right there. Coordinate. Coordinated offense. And if your offensive line's struggling, you fight away. If you're struggling at the wide receiver, you find a way. And if your quarterback stinks, you find a way. Well, all those things are true right now for this Iowa team. They have problems. We get it. They had problems a year ago. But to look there and just go to this condescending tone, it's unthinkable. You got Spencer Petrus up there as he has every single time. Look, you guys have heard, and if you're new to us, I have never been three years a Spencer Peaches fan. I was baffled when he was just handed the job after the graduation of Nate Stanley, something we've never seen for a quarterback at the University of Iowa in Kirk Ferentz's 24 years. I was baffled when that happens, and then we've seen the play over the last 25 games. It's been brutal. I mean, it's been absolutely brutal to watch him try to play quarterback. He's not good. But yet they trot him out there. And to see Spencer Petrus up at the podium as always answering questions and recapping what went wrong and said that it sucks scoring six points, but then he's also getting choked up. He's getting choked up and he's, you can see the emotion hitting him. He knows he's not good enough. He knows that the way that this offense is set up, they're just not going to be able to do enough. And yet he's up there answering the questions and you feel bad for him. You feel bad because Kirk continues to trot him out there. Look, this guy, a, should have never been given the job coming back to this season. And that hogwash that they gave us, that this was an open competition. Alex Padilla, if there was suing for malpractice in football, he would have a great case. This was never an open competition. Again, they were going to give the job to Spencer Peters. And you see Padilla over there, a guy that won football games for you before. A guy that can add an extra element to an offense that is really struggling with his runability. I don't think Alex Padilla is great, but he's got to be better than this. He has been better than this and what we've seen we're half a season in and we're back to the same thing this offense is terrible and there are no answers there's no response there's nothing they can do in order to have this happen because you don't have a real offensive coordinator you have a coach's son you have a guy that was born on third base and thought that he hit a triple brian ferentz does not know how to coordinate you're in the red zone and he come up with that stupid end-around play? I mean, how idiotic was that? The tight end screen. You're finally running the football for the first time all game long, and he come up with the tight end screen after Petrus had just got rocked. You can't put together a game plan as poorly as we've seen week in and week out from Brian Ferentz. It's all these guys. They're all in together in this, and they all have a degree of problems. Offensive line was not good. 
Tyler Ellsbury, we were hoping maybe he was going to be an elixir. That has not been the case. But overall, the frustration level, just watching this team, it has been absolutely deplorable game in and game out to see just how ugly this has been. Sending out a quick t- uh, tweet here, and uh, we'll go live to everybody out there. Oh, let me tweet this out. Apologies for a little bit of a delay. And we got that out there. All right. So back with you here. And hit us up with your comments if you're watching on YouTube right now. Uh, let, let's start right there. In fact, Brian Long comes in with the first comment of the evening. Brian Ferentz is becoming Scott Frost. Two to three mind-boggling play calls a game. It's just what I was saying, Brian. You're exactly right. It is baffling to see what he comes up with and trying to put this together. I say this week in, week out. Why does it have to be so difficult? I just don't get it. I feel bad for Petrus. He should have never been in this spot. He should be at Sacramento State right now being their quarterback. After as bad as that offense was a year ago to just double down. And that's what Kirk said. Go back to the spring. Kirk Ferentz says they're going to double down on us. What a dumb decision that was, Kirk. Because you doubled down on the wrong horse. You bet on the wrong person. Drop play on third and 15. Yeah, Josh. Oh, that one. That was one of his better play calls, I, I think, of the night. The offense had a couple of times. This Illinois defense is good. Credit where credit's due. This Illinois defense is good, and they're they're going to give problems to a lot of teams this season. But this was there for the taking. You get the football two different times. You get it after the fumbled punt, muff punt, go backwards. Don't even get a field goal opportunity on that in a short field. You have to punt it back to them. Then you get it back after that. And what do you do? You go backwards from the five-yard line, and you just get a field goal. That, that's what this is. And it's just, it's incredible. And this is where we are. And the frustrating part about this, is it going to change? You know, are we going to be at a spot where this is going to be different? I don't think so. Kirk said it. He's not going to think about making any changes. Are you going to make a change to the quarterback spot? Probably not. I mean, we're six games in. This is the worst offense in the country at the Power 5 level, and it's not even close. 130th coming into the week. And they put up 222 yards of total offense. And Keegan, you're exactly right. Keegan says, Kirk's press conference. The most frustrating thing every single week. The thing, the condensation, it is too much for me. He can't be objective. It's his kid. And he is now owed $42 million. Think of that. $42 million is owed to Kirk after his last contract extension. I mean, that's Gary Barta. That's just, it's idiotic. Where's Kirk going? What do, and this is not just a Gary Parter thing. This is athletic directors across the country. We saw Paul Christ. He was owed $21 million. Paul Christ wasn't leaving Wisconsin, and they bought it down to 11 But still, he wasn't leaving Wisconsin. Why do athletic directors continue to do this? Can we get a little pushback from these ADs and say enough is enough? Now, if you're Nick Saban, if you're Dabo, if you're one of those guys, that's its own set of circumstances. But for these guys, these middling people, why are we doing this? And Mel Tucker's old, what, $90 million? Jimbo, great game plan tonight, came out there against a backup quarterback, and they had a shot in that football game. He's owed $90 million, and Kirk Ferentz is owed $42 million. Where Kirk going? This is 2004. The Jaguars were not calling. And if they were, so be it. There is one thing, though, that can perhaps salvage this. And, and the, here's another frustrating part. As a Hawkeye fan, I love Kirk Ferentz. I really do as a football coach, of what he's done, maintaining the success and building on some things of what we saw under Hayden Fry. I'm 42. I've known two coaches in my life, and I'm scared as a fan 
that it could very quickly go the other way. It makes me incredibly concerned that this thing could go the other way and suddenly we're looking at the Alford years or even worse, the look lighter years that we saw in basketball because it can happen quickly. And you look at programs across the country and just how quickly it can change on a dime. Absolutely, that can happen. And that's, I think, a part of the concern that is out there. But boy, these kind of responses, the arrogance, it's too much. It's too much. Right there with you, Keegan. A good point there. Let's continue on the comments here. If you're watching us here on YouTube this evening, our reaction podcast is Iowa Falls 962 Illinois with 222 yards of total offense. Win the turnover battle 3-1. Oh, they turned it over for the first time since against Iowa State on a bad throw on the overthrow with pressure uh, from Petras. I have been a Hawkeye fan for 25 years, and I'm to the point where, sadly, I just don't care. Josh, you bring up a good point, and I'm hearing more and more of this throughout the season because we're all in the same circumstance where we know it's not going to change. I'm, I'm excited next week that I don't have to watch this. I, I felt awful tonight. So I'm watching this game. Let the kids stay up a little late. I got a seven and three year old watching the game with the wife. She's up there making dinner as the game started for the kids. And we're going and we know it's going to be boring. It's going to be a slugfest. And maybe Iowa could escape with an ugly victory. Let the kids stay up late, but trying to get them to bed, you know, is right as the fourth quarter starts. So I hit pause in the DVR and I was grumpy at the time. I was a little grumpy with the wife after we watched the conclusion of it. Iowa football shouldn't do this. Look, I should not be this invested into it. It's not fair. It's not married to my family. It's not fair to people out there. You shouldn't be this invested. But I, I think if you're watching this, you're in the same spot I am, right? You are invested. You do care. And when you have a coaching staff, when you have a, a coach that can't see it, that can't be objective because it's his kid, that's where the frustration lies. Josh also here called me a poor fan, but it's becoming painful to watch. It's actually difficult to swallow when watching the play calling. It is. I mean, th this can be so much better. Brian Ferris should have never gotten this job. Got the job with New England because of his dad. All right, he was coaching tight ends. It doesn't take a whole lot to be able to coach Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Those guys were pretty talented, right? I think they would have been all right without the tutelage of baby Huey. Yet here we are. Make Petras start versus Ohio State. This is from Brian. Wouldn't be par for the course that that's the game. They make a change. Yeah, exactly. And that very well could be what we see here. All right, we're going to set up whoever the next quarterback is for failure. There is something about Spencer Petras that he absolutely just, he, he's got this coaching staff. He's got Kirk and Brian at the very least. I mean, just wrapped around his finger. The worst offense, second worst offense in the country. And we have not seen Alex Padilla, a guy that has won football games for you, that has shown an ability to make plays. That guy can't get a snap. What does that say? It's baffling. Absolutely baffling. Josh, uh, checking in again. Anyone remember 2017 Ohio State game? What happened with Brian Ferentz? Where was that play calling went? Correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, BF, that was that was his, I believe his first year, maybe second year. But yeah, he was on that one. Uh, Charlie Jones, seeing the writing on the wall and look at it. You know, th this goes to a point that I made this summer. So uh, if you don't know, I also host a radio show here in Des Moines on KXNO on from 10 to noon daily. And the one thing I brought up when the Charlie Jones decision came down, just a theory, I, I have no concrete information, but we were sold this bill of goods. We were lied to by Kirk that changes were going to be coming. We were going to see differences and, and this offense was going to look different. And I guess it looks different. It looks even worse 
this year. So I guess that wasn't the lie. And as I said at the top here, Kirk said they're going to double down on themselves. And it was a terrible decision because doubling down on themselves has led to the 130th offense in the country. But remember, Charlie Jones, he went through spring practice. And after going through spring practice, he looked around and realized, this is going to be different. Yeah, I'll play more as a wide receiver. I'll have more ability. But what's the best case scenario? If Charlie Jones was playing this year with a inept offensive line, a terrible quarterback, and a play caller that is in over his head, what's the best case scenario for Charlie Jones? Playing all, all 12 games this year. 40 catches? 500 yards, three, four touchdowns. I mean, that's best case scenario. This guy's one of the top wide receivers in the country statistically this year, and that is what it is. It's just absolutely unthinkable. But for Charlie Jones, he made the right choice. He made the right choice. I did also argue at the time, I thought it was the wrong choice for him because I thought his only chance of making the NFL was going to be as a return specialist and doing it under the tutelage of LeVar Woods, much better. LeVar Woods, one of the best special teams coaches in the country. Casey checking in from the Quad Cities. I hope Spencer graduates. Yeah, here's another scary thing. With the COVID year, Spencer Peters could come back for another season. Now, he said before the year that wasn't going to be the case, but hey, why? might as well triple down, right? You double down this year. That didn't work. What's the gambler's fallacy? Or you just keep doubling your bet every time and eventually you're going to break even until it doesn't eventually happen. That might be the case with Spencer Peters. Brian Long, uh, wasn't O'Keefe still on the sideline? Yeah, O'Keefe was still on the sideline. He was a quarterback coach back in, I believe, 2017 when Brian got the offensive coordinator job, but it was Brian uh, was the play caller for that game against Ohio State. Uh, from Brian again, predicting Keegan Johnson won't step on the field. Yeah, Brian, I've said the same thing here on this podcast and on the radio. Yeah, the rumblings continue to be out there. You know, practice habits, those kind of things have been talked about, trying to battle his way back from injury, and, and same thing. If you're Keegan Johnson, you look around and you say, boy, is this what I really want to deal with? Is this the offense I want to play in? You want to set yourself up with the chance and ability to play at the next level? Is this going to get you ready at the wide receiver position? It's not even close. All right, a couple more uh, here in the news and notes. Let me let me go through some of the things that I talked about, some of the things that I had uh, written down in my notes here today. Let me get into it and I want to go back. All right, so I mentioned the $42 million. Here's our out. Here's our hope. And, and this really is maybe our only hope. Unfortunately, it comes down to a guy that has been inept himself. And that's Gary Barta, the athletic director that has cost the athletic department tens of millions of dollars in lawsuits. A guy that has, well, just handed out $42 million and guaranteed to a old coach that wasn't going anywhere in Kirk Ferentz. This is the hope. We know that Brian Ferentz, his boss is not Kirk. It's a joke. This was a way to get around the nepotism rules, obviously, that are in place at the university. In place for a reason, by the way. The reason because of what we're seeing right now. This is why nepotism rules are in place, because of this garbage that we see trotted out here. And Kirk can't see just how bad his offense is and how his son is in over his head in this job. This is the reason that these rules are in place. But because of that, Gary Barta is ultimately the boss of Brian Ferentz. Very simple. You want to see a change, you have to hope that Gary Barta, first of all, fires Brian Ferentz. No riding off into the sunset, not taking a job at the NFL, even if it's a lowly assistant, you know, some kind of analyst position, whatever it is, to try to save face. No, 
he has to fire him and he needs to put the pressure on. And I could very well see Kirk saying, look, if you fire my son, I'm out. All right. If you're going to retire, that money's not going to be guaranteed then. I mean, that that is our only out of this hope. Do we believe that Gary Barta has the ability to do that? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the case. I mean, he's a serval man. He's obsequious. He's just, there's not a whole lot to him. And and to think that he is going to be that calculated, the ability to make that happen, I, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And I don't want this to be the way that this comes to a conclusion for Kirk Ferentz. He's meant too much to this athletic department. But going back, even when Brian was initially brought onto the staff, what, nine years ago now, this was always the concern. This is the reason for it. Yet, here we are. A couple more questions here. Uh, let's continue. Keegan with a, a response. The loss of Doyle, I think, has been part of the downfall with the offensive line. I think that's a part of it. I think you can at least make that argument. The, the other part that I would look at, though, is the youth that they're playing with up front. You go back. Now, first of all, the Iowa offensive line has been one of the more overrated positions over the last two decades. Go back to the team that was honored a week ago in Kinnick Stadium, the 2002 team. That was bar none, the best offensive line of the Ferentz era and maybe of Iowa history, just how good those five guys were up front, really six guys uh, up front, how good that group was. But you look back and I would say maybe outside of the 2008-2009 offensive lines, it's been a lot of individual pieces like Tyler Linderbaum and Tristan Wirfs and Riley Reef, and we can play this game and we can go down the road, Ryan Bulaga, for a long, long time. The individual pieces have been fine, but that continuity just hasn't been very good over the last 20 years. There has been all kinds of issues there. But Iowa now is out without upperclassmen. And Young wasn't able to go tonight which is not a bad thing. He has struggled in his own right throughout his career, but you had all sophomores out there playing and it showed. I think youth, you can make the Doyle argument. I'm not quite there yet. In fact, these guys are bigger. I don't know. I don't see that being the case because the defense of the defensive front, you know, they're stout, they're strong. It's not like the new coach, the strength and conditioning staff just said, you know what? Everybody gets to lift weights except for the offensive line. I, I just can't go there quite yet. From Zach, Brian's destruction of Ohio State and USC were beacons of success that kept him on the job for years, unfortunately. Yeah, just pop in those tapes and suddenly you say, look, this guy, he's there. Even bad coordinators can have a good day. Keegan's definitely wanting to leave. That's from RDHV. A lot of that out there. So that's where we are right now. In fact, where I am right now, I need a drink. Because that was absolutely hideous. So where do we turn? Where's the hope? And this is some of the questions in the chats that came in a little bit earlier. Is it's hard to come with some positivity going into a bye week? Is bowl eligibility realistic? Not at this point. I mean, at best right now, they're only favored in two of their final six games. Right now, they're a three-touchdown underdog against Ohio State. When that line comes out next Sunday officially, I, I would guess it's going to be closer to four touchdowns. You look at the schedule then after that. So you get the bye week to get ready to get pummeled by the Buckeyes. You're home for Northwestern. You'll be favored in that game against the Wildcats. And then after that at Purdue, we've seen this song and dance. We know Jeff Brom absolutely runs circles. And it's the one guy that Phil Parker, for whatever reason, has not been able to figure out. That's a road game on top of it. Wisconsin, hey, look at that. They make a move and how quickly that team looks completely different today with Jim Leonard. You think the Hawkeyes, with their success throughout the years against Wisconsin, is going to suddenly find a way to win that one? Come on. 
In fact, speaking of that Ohio State game, you remember what happened the following week in 2017? Yeah, Brian Ferentz's offense, after scoring 55 against the Buckeyes, they scored oh, nothing. They had, what was it, 66 yards of total offense? 66 yards of total offense against Wisconsin. A Bucky's going to be ready. At Minnesota, good luck. I feel we've seen two long winning streaks come to an end. Iowa State, now Illinois, first loss to the Illini since 2008. Eight straight wins in the series. You got the long winning streak now against Minnesota. Phil Fleck, that moron, he's going to be dancing around and being a goober. And it's going to be all about him, and it's going to be so annoying. We're going to have to deal with it. We're just going to have to swallow it. And you know what? If he puts it on Kirk a little bit, so be it. Now, Kirk was the one that eh, we thought we'd leave the team timeouts there. Now, you got something coming, Kirk. You be ready. Because Phil Fleck, as much as I hate the guy, he's not going to forget. And if he's got a chance to put another one on you late, he's going to do it. You made your own bed. You made your own bed by hiring your son. And finally, Nebraska at the end. Another winning streak very well could come to an end. Nebraska's not good, but this Iowa team, how they score. How are they going to score? couple more here. Zach uh, checking in. The biggest thing we lost when Doyle left was grit and toughness. This offensive line is soft. Hey, I'm with you there, Zach. It's nothing but apathy from these guys. Every time they get beat, nobody wants to be a bully anymore. Uh, the bullies of the Big Ten. Again, 20 years ago, but where has that gone? Josh, where do you see this heading? I think it's going to be bad. This is going to get really, really ugly. I think we're heading to a place where ultimately Brian Ferentz cannot be brought back. And however that goes, I don't think Gary Barta is going to fire him. Kirk certainly is not going to fire him. But doesn't he have to have enough fortitude and understanding that Brian understands he's got to walk away? He has tarnished his father's reputation already so much with his ineptitude. And now you have another year where you're finishing in 120s, 130s of total offense. You have another season of that. You're just going to go back to the well again and and we got it figured out. This doesn't say Brian doesn't know football. He knows football. There's lots of guys that know football. He doesn't know how to coordinate an offense, though. He is in over his head. Mark, go Hawks. I'm with you. Go Hawks. Hey, basketball season. We're getting close. Team's already practicing. Uh, With the bye week here coming up this week, I have a feeling we're going to be talking a whole lot more basketball because it's sad. It's tough. I like Kirk. I respect Kirk. But this, this has gone in a direction that is untenable at this moment. That's where we are. The condensation of Kirk, bad luck. Now, 2014, the that's football moment. I don't know if this is worse. That press conference after the loss, after they absolutely collapsed and lost for the last time, probably till this year against Nebraska. And he said, that's football. I don't think this is worse, but It really bothered me tonight how condescending Kirk was. Well, you know, we won 10 games. I'm not sure if you knew that. He knew that. You knew that, Kirk. That's just being an a-hole. And at this point, the doubling down, hey, when you're winning football games and he got that old man grit to you, hey, it's all well and good, right? Talking about P.J. Fleck and leaving the timeouts. That was good because you're winning football games. Now, you're 7-7 and over your last 14 games. You're the laughing stock of college football. Uh, go on Twitter, go on Facebook, go on social media, and just see the national people continually making fun of this absolutely wretched offense. That's where we are. Josh, top 10 defense and worst offense. Imagine 
top 75 offense. That's the other thing. I think we all understand. Yes, they're going to play complimentary football. It's something he talks about. That's the way the program is built. Okay, I get that. We all get that. We all understand what he's getting at. But you know what helps out a little bit? I don't know, being able to get a first down. Not having 222 yards of total offense in a football game. Not being the 133th ranked offense in the country. Not running stupid end-around reverses. When you're in the red zone, there's no space down there. Running the football and you set up a tight end screen. I just, mm, it's where we are. Unfortunately, tonight, we're not going to accomplish anything more, but we will be with you each and every day this week. I'll be back after rewatching things on Sunday night with the Monday edition of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We'll talk about what we saw. We will uh, get into it. I'll give another di- deep look here, and it's not going to be pretty. I know that already, even without rewatching it the second time. We'll break things down a little bit deeper, as we always do for the Monday edition. LaShawn Daniels, former Hawkeye running back, he's going to stop by on Tuesday. We'll get his perspective, my buddy Jace, later in the week, and we will go through the bye week here this week talking more big picture, certainly, and plenty of basketball as well. That's all coming up. Hey, thanks for staying up late with me here this evening. was a whole lot of fun and a chance to get some things off our chest, right? That's always a good thing. Again, back with you on Monday with the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. You can check us out each and every weekday as we are available wherever you get podcasts. And for everybody out there on YouTube, a big thank you. Hit that subscribe button while you're there. Big help for us getting those subscriber numbers up as we're over 1,100 now. Love to push that towards 2,000 before we get to basketball season. I'm Trent Cotton. This has been the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We'll talk again soon. Go Hawks.